Well, hello, Region, and welcome to the eighth episode of Bruisers, brought to you by Rizzo Insurance, your go-to brewery insurance needs. I am joined today with Karen and Dave DeYoung from Wild Rose Brewing Company. How are you guys? Very good. Thanks for uh, having us over here. Well, it's been a while. I know it's been a minute since I've seen you guys, and um, I was really looking forward to this one in particular because I think a lot of the listeners are unfamiliar with your story, which is got a lot of got a, pretty juicy actually i mean you've got from the beginning um to a little bit of tragedy right right, right. um and then on top of that the which is stuff all i didn't know until i met you guys and um just kind of like the the rise of the brewing game that you guys have been doing from garage literally to brew house right which is really cool mm-hmm. so where so where did the where did the brew the love of brewing start I guess is a good question to begin with. That was David. Um, he was the first one that really wanted to homebrew. And so he and our um, partner, Ed, who was, he passed away, they were the beginners. And then um, our partner, Kevin, got in on it. And then Tony and I decided, you know what? We kind of want to do this brewing thing too. So we hopped on board and it was history. I mean, we brewed for, I don't even know how long until we we're like, you know, when we open, it's going to be Wild Rose Brewing Company because we all lived on Wild Rose Lane. So perfect name for it, where we all began. Heck yeah. And where is that street at? Is it Cherville? It is Cherville. Nice. So it's born in Cherville. And um, so I'll, I'll, it's interesting to hear both of your perspectives on it. Because Dave, if you started out with the brewing side of it, what got you into the making of brewing? Uh, it was, I had at one time, a few years before I actually bought my uh, better equipment and got more into it. I'd done one of those Mr. Brew kits. Mm-hmm. You know, the little, uh, it was basically wort in a can that you diluted, <laughs> so boiled, so put, it, put it in a plastic barrel and, and fermented it. And the beer came out substantially better than I expected it to. And I was like, oh, wow, well, maybe maybe this is something that you can actually do. And it, it kind of sat for a few years uh, when we did our little tour through uh, Hammond. We lived in Hassville and then uh, Hammond on the the west side. And when we moved to Cherville and we had, you know, I had a garage and, you know, things like that. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I went to, you know, one of the online places and, and said, I'm going to, I'm going to get some better equipment. And uh, Ed, our neighbor said, hey, get two, we'll do it together. And uh, so, yeah, we started uh, brewing at Ed's garage mostly. Um, and then Kevin got on, and he was the one that called, you know came up, you know, decided to call us Wild Rose Brewing. Got the the web URL and the Google email, and you know stuff. Sounds like, like that. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually the guy that, after you know a bunch of brews and maybe a couple too many pints while we were brewing, said, "Hey, we should open a brewery." You know, and and uh, next thing you know, uh, I'm like, "Okay, well, I looked at, found some uh, financing options that used uh, kind of floundering IRA because at the time IRAs weren't doing." that well and we uh, found a, a, a solution that let us use those IRA funds to invest in our business and uh, that's kind of where our cash from none of came from none of us are rich guys you know so we're not like the the million dollar clubs that some of these people are in um, so, so that's you know kind of why our place is what it is is you know it's just it was just a bunch of dudes that built it out spent what money we had in, in uh, you know 
just been enjoying having a, a fun place to come hang out and drink some craft beer. That's awesome. I mean, from the craft brewing side, that's interesting to hear that perspective because I think that you do have to fall in love with it to really brew it because it is a process for people who don't know. It's a long time. And, and like you spend a lot of your money in trying to quicken the process up. Right. Right. And the bigger you get, the more money you have to spend, which yep, is exactly. weird. It's a yep. weird kind of thing. And Karen, from just like, uh, did you love beer from the beginning? I did. Um, not quite as quickly as David did. He hopped on the um, craft beer wagon when Three Floyds was new. And I tasted it when I can't believe you are paying to drink this. <laughs> Fast forward, and now I'm like, why was I drinking that other stuff? Right? Because no one loves beer initially. I, I, right. I'm, I'm hell-bent on it that no one is just like, the first time they drink beer, they're like, that's the best flavor I've ever had. What? It's an acquired taste. And you got to kind of stay true to it and, it. and it gets crazier with every beer you get, you know? And right. that's, that's kind of what I tell people about hops. They go, I don't like those hoppy beers. I'm like, well, it's kind of an acquired taste. Like the first time when you're a kid and you taste vinegar or mustard yeah. or some of those flavors and you're like, what is this? And then you, know, you get older, you get accustomed to it, you, you kind of, you like the way it fits in there. And hops are a lot like that, where people sometimes the first time they're exposed to a hoppy IPA, you know, oh, it's crazy bitter. You know, you drink, you have a couple more examples of the style, and all of a sudden you find yourself craving hops. And that was kind of where Three Floyds was when they, they first opened. They were hopping the crap out of everything. And, and that was, uh, you know, kind of where I I turned into a hop head. And, you know, even the hops now are kind of getting faded back a, a little more than, than they used to be. It used to be everyone was, what's the highest IBU I can crank into this beer and, yep. you know, wreck someone's palate? And make it as clear as possible. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so it was, uh, you know, the Three Floyds thing is, is really coming to the area, going to Pepper Jack's is the first time I saw, you know, it said local brewery from Hammond. And I remember asking the, I said to the waitress, oh yeah, bring me one of those. Well, let me bring you a sample first. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was in ever since then. I mean, I really liked the hops from the beginning. I, the first Alpha King I tasted, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And, uh. That was right about the time that things started blowing up. Sierra Nevada started being everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Sam was, Adams. Uh, Sam Adams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, uh, it's, it's been a pretty fun ride. Awesome. And, and coming from the non, non, like, I guess the acquired taste brewery side of it, <laughs> um, what beer would, like, kind of turned you on, Karen, to, uh, like, the craft beer scene? Boy, it is so long ago. I can't even tell you. It's okay. not one that just sticks in my mind. I'm sure it was an IPA because at the time, that's pretty much what craft beer was at the time. You didn't have very many other choices right. other than the IPAs, APAs, um, and then, you know, the Pilsners, you know, which they were the mass produced kind, not the kind that are being made in breweries now. So, um, but yeah, there, I. It might. I think it might have been Gumball Head. Yeah. And that might have been my initial. Wow, this is good. And that's a great start, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I know my. I've mentioned on the podcast before. Mine was 18th Street's Deal with the Devil. It was like the first time I was just like into it. Um, but when it comes to like the like what, what kind of brew? What did you think of Dave's brewing initially? Oh, I loved it. I'm the one that went out and I'm like, I'll buy it. I'll order it for you. Christmas. And oh, yeah, I was all for it. I'm like, this is cool. If you can make it at home, great. (laughs) Awesome. And then from that point, you got into the homebrewing club, right? Because that's a real thing. You know, I never became like an active member. I did uh, get on the list and I went to a couple meetings, but I was just. uh, Again, I just since I had the guys on the block, we kind of had our own little club going. 
Sure, yeah. sure. Because I know that uh, that's the one thing when Bob and Deb were on uh, last week was just like how many people went through that club, well, even if right. it was just for a couple of meetings. And it's right. crazy how responsible or however you want to subjectively look at it that they are for the explosion in this area. Oh, right. I, I mean, Absolutely. In, in, in the early days, uh, the Internet wasn't what it is now. And, and a lot of the kind of the, the source for information like that was either reading John Palmer's book or you know, going to the clubs and talking to guys that had more expensive, you know, more experience brewing than you had and uh, kind of getting, you know, say this is what happened in this particular brew. And you'd have a bunch of guys that say, oh, maybe it was, you know, you, you didn't oxygenate the wort properly or you, you didn't finish fermenting, you know, a bunch of you could get some kind of troubleshooting feedback from from those guys. Oh, yeah. I remember the first couple of batches I brewed was just like, oh, I'm getting tired of the box. And it's like, well, then, you know, Bob's in there wrapping up he's like he's throwing in this hop and he's throwing in this grain and he's like well, why don't you just frankenstein this a little bit and see what happens yeah. it's like well you could do that so you don't have to follow the rules it was amazing <laughs> yeah yeah and that was that was again kind of one of the things that three floyds had kind of trailblazed around here was you know not necessarily you know following the style you know over hopping a, a baltic porter or you know the uh just kind of their presentation was a little, you know, like they said, not normal. That was, you know, kind of their 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 tagline because yeah. they were they were saying, okay, well, this is what the style says, but you know, we we did something different with it. So uh, crazy. I, I mean, I'm sure, like looking back at it, you time gets a little shorter, right? But how long does it take for you guys to be brewing in a garage? And then at the next point, just being like, yeah, we should open a business. And then it becomes a little bit, the next person says, yeah, we should open a brewery. And it just keeps getting to the point, like how many months goes by before it's an idea, before it starts to become a reality? Once, once you know, like I said, with too many pints influence, uh, <laughs> Kevin said, we should do this. And when I found out there was an opportunity for us to get a hold of some, some uh, capital without having to, you know, put our houses in hock and, you know, and stuff like that, uh, it kind of it went kind of fast. Um, we heard through Bob Heinlein from Kenny Line, Kennywood that uh, Griffith had in their their redevelopment plan mentioned they wanted to have a brewery in town. So one of our friends knew one of the guys on redevelopment and uh, next thing you know we're, we're chatting with them at their meeting and they're making it very clear that they're they were excited to to assist in any way possible to to make this you know easy for us you know not certainly break any rules but they were very motivated to to get a brewery in town and that's probably why they wound up with three sure and that's makes that very unique yeah right and so um how is the community where you guys are with new Oberfalls and pacro you guys all friends big community kind of hang out oh yeah i mean we get along with all of them well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sunday at uh, or Saturday at uh, Munster Ale Fest, you know, I'm walking around trying uh, Daredevil's Oktoberfest with Gus, and I'm over at, you know, Joe's Box talking to Dave Kaczynski about, you know, what they brought, you know, and it, it's, it is kind of a fun community. We were next to Burnham University, we're chatting with those guys. Windmill was on the other side. Cool. You know, so it, it is, it is kind of, you know, a pretty, uh, it's like a camaraderie, you know. There's certainly competition. Everyone wants their business to do as as well as it can, but there is a lot of friendship, sharing beers, you know, trying new recipes and things like that. Oh yeah, I think that's the, one of the things that was really attractive to me in the industry was how, and maybe Bob and Deb did a really good job of at least appearing that, but it was how communal 
everybody was in the, mm. in the in the industry and you just don't find that everywhere everyone was really like legitimately looking out for the best of everybody else oh for sure and we it's something we try to like embody here all the time but it's just crazy because you know money when money starts to get involved usually that turns it and right. who knows it could be turning it down the road but at least for the time being it feels like it's a very friendly space to share mm-hmm. oh it is well, it, it seems like even you know bigger breweries i know a lot of people in the area if they need uh you know if their yeast went bad or something like that they can go to three floyds and you know three floyds has hundreds of gallons of, <laughs> of yeast laying around so you know they'll, they'll they'll give you a pitch you know uh we've done our new england's and and i've you know never used some of the crazier harder to get yeast because you know it was it was it's expensive and it's one of those things that i wasn't that committed to the style uh, you know, Justin from Wimmel said, hey, next time you brew New England, let us know and we'll, you know, get you some of what we dumped out of the last batch, you know, so awesome. it's, uh, it is, you know, and um, yeah, we share stuff there. They, they, they're canning at kind of like a volume that we are. So sometimes, you know, we'll borrow canning supplies from them or they'll borrow canning supplies from us. And it's just, it's, uh, it's nice that it works out that way. Awesome. What was the, so what was the official date you opened? It, it was, was Friday the 13th no in way. March of, course, of 2015. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I was born on Friday the 13th, so oh. that says a lot about both <laughs> of us. <laughs> um, and so that is the Friday the 13th, and you're talking 2013? 15. 15. 15. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's the first beers you guys have on tap? Well, Big Sexy was one of them. Uh, we had... And these are all homemade in the garage first, yes, tested, exactly. and then rocking on a bigger system. Exactly. We yes. had the the LOIPA, which was you spoke of a Frankenstein beer. That was one that I'd done in the garage where I had a bunch of leftover specialty grains and some base <laughs> malts and, and different hops and you know kind of just threw something together with what I had laying there. Uh, I think Hopside, which was Karen's recipe, was one of the uh, nice your recipe. One it of the uh, the first ones on there. Stew wheat. And Mad Cow, I think. Mad Cow, I was going to yeah. say, I'm sure we had Mad Cow on. Yeah, Mad Cow seems to be a staple. Yeah, it is. That one, uh, we have a lot of people that come in and they're surprised that we, they see that we have stouts on year round. Uh, we always have Morning James, pretty much. We always have Mad Cow. Uh, so a lot of people are surprised. Oh, I like it that you have stouts year round. Because for a while, it seemed like all the breweries were just doing pails and, you know, things like that. So awesome. What was your, what was your first initial vision for the brewery? Does it, and has it changed? I don't think we were smart enough to really have no. a vision. <laughs> <laughs> let's find a building and go from there. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, funny is we actually looked at and toured the locations the other two breweries in town are in. So we looked at um, the spot where Pacro is. Cool. And we were in the building um, that Oberfalls ultimately uh, decided to move on. And none of them really had the space or the parking available that my that fit my vision so that was how we kind of wound up uh you know landing in the the big pole barn that we're in now it seemed like a lot of breweries uh at least around that time were growing so quickly that they were running out of space and i wanted to make sure that that didn't happen and i wanted to make again since i was going to focus on on being kind of a, a brew pub model I wanted to make sure it had enough space for for good bar space and that the brewery was attached to the bar so that we could uh, save some labor and not have to keg all of the beer that we were serving. We could serve, you know, six of our beers straight out of Bright Tanks. Um, and then the other six handles could be fed by keg. Which is unique. 
Still it's, to this day, pretty much, right? There's, I mean, there's a lot of breweries that are doing it now, but it is, you know, there, it is a little more unique. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of one that's really doing it like straight out of the tank like that. That's insane. Yeah, it's like I said, it saves a bunch of labor. Heck yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that way, I throw all six of them in a big cooler and and you know. Move the beer in there, carb it there, and serve it out of there. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so where did the food come along? Because that is a staple, too. I mean, everything yeah. I've had there has been incredible. And we, I, the one, I think the first time I tasted something was uh, St. Patrick's Day. And you have a whole menu for that, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but, man, it's like every item, one after the other, has been phenomenal. And so where does that come from? Well, it, Initially, when we first opened, I didn't want to get um, distracted by trying to run a kitchen. So we had uh, a local caterer that was in there doing his barbecue menu. And it was never really to the level that, that, that I was hoping for. Um, I wanted something that was certainly simple. I mean, I'm running you small, and it's simple and comforting food, I think. Uh, I just wanted it to be high quality. And that's kind of where we're going. We try to cook all the meats in house. We smoke our own pork for the for the jerk pork sandwich that you had and for our Cuban sandwich. Uh, we have a pot roast grilled cheese sandwich and we actually cook the 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 beef in, you know, carrots, onions and, and you know uh, crushed tomatoes to kind of give that that home cooked pot roast flavor to it. Uh, we make all the sauces and a lot of the condiments ourselves. So we wanted to keep it simple and manageable, but we wanted it to be, you know, good. And that's why we cut our fries. We don't get frozen fries from the restaurant supply store. We cut everything there. That's that's what we're trying to do. And and we're, we're hope I'm hoping uh, to get a little more time to focus on it and start doing some you know new menu items. And and uh, certainly we're we're kid friendly now. So uh, we we're gonna add a, a kids menu and start running some specials during the week to get families in there. Awesome. I'll have to bring mine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's been to more breweries than most people, I would say, at this point. <laughs> She's unfortunately. <Yeah. laughs> um, but so we're, we're like, we'll say like we're kind of piling through like the history side of it a little bit. Um, where has the vision, like for you, like where would you like to see it go in some capacity? I know you mentioned a little bit about expanding the menu, but from a brewing side and that, um, do you have any kind of thoughts on that? I'd like, again, since we're we're small and we're not, huge funded we have to kind of grow slowly and organically because um, again I, like i said i don't want to put myself or the other partners in a position where where we're risking our your own properties you know I, so what i'd like to do is get to a point where i can focus less on all of the daily things kind of focus more on on growing and driving the business and focus more on the brewing side when i don't have to worry about uh, front of the house uh, stuff or kitchen stuff where I can where I can get enough people in place there that I don't need to be that involved and then focus on you know brewing more and different things sure I won some of the best tap handles I've ever seen that's yeah. for sure that was that was one of the big uh, big spend items when we were first mm -hmm. opening I, I saw the ones that Burnham had done and their their tap handles are awesome, awesome. And, yeah and I, I remember asking those guys I said where'd you get those Oh, Allison Group out of Florida. So I looked at the website, and they had Dogfish Head and like all the all the cool tap handles you'd ever seen. This company did it, and uh, they I just sent them our logo, and they they came up with that design, and I was like, wow, you guys kind of really nailed it on on you know what our vibe is, and, and you know what my vision was for it. Awesome. Not only does the vibe on the handles, but you've got a pretty cool vibe on the exterior and interior too. Not only um, so who did the art because that's really fun. 
the original, like our logo. Um, so we can go there too. I would meant more of the graffiti the stuff. The graffiti. Yeah, but we can go there too. The, who did the original art for the logo? David knows him a little better than I do, so I will let him um, <laughs> give the background on July as his name. Oh yeah, July or Julio as he goes by. <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, actually the boyfriend of Megan, the bartender of Beer Geeks. And if you've been in Beer Geeks, all the artwork in there was done by him. And I remember we were, before we opened, we were, we were in Beer Geeks a lot, and we still go in there, you know, periodically. Jason's now. great. Yep, oh, yeah, he is awesome. And uh, you know, just chatting with Megan. Oh, my boyfriend, you know, does this stuff, and I'm like, because we wanted to keep kind of the vibe of the place, kind of a nod to our our steel heritage in the area. So all the surfaces in the bar, you know, we have just a polished concrete floor. We have a steel I-beam for a footrest. We have zinc on the bar instead of you know nice wood or you know some other things and i kind of wanted the little little bit of the grit of the kind of the graffiti we had this huge wall on the uh the end of the bar end of the brewery that that was just gigantic and i'm like this needs something so i I hit up uh megan and she got uh uh, july to come in and i said i want something graffiti style on here you know and i just i want to keep the theme of our our logo you know the three skulls the original three guys that that were brewing in the garage you know, and, uh, and, you know, just kind of keep the elements of our, our, our logo in there. And he just came up with that and on a weekend knocked it out, you know. And, and a few years later, we were like, okay, well, we got, we got a little more money in the bank. So, hey, how about you hit the outside of the building? So we had to awesome. kind of run that through the town. And when we first were opening, uh, the guys from Redevelopment said, we like everything you guys are doing, but if you could just not put skulls on the outside of the building, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> And we're like, oh, like, well, that, that, that kind of sucks. And then we were there probably a year, year and a half, something like that. Yeah. And we'd been good neighbors. We hadn't caused any trouble. So you know, I just kind of went to the town and I said, this is what I want to do on the outside. And they were they were cool with it. And next thing so you know, ran it by the, them first. Yeah. Very well, valuable lesson there. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's officially a sign, so it needs to be permitted. You know, they have all these calculations by you know the the size of your building, the amount of your your frontage, how much sign square footage you can wow. have. Wow. And uh, so yeah, I said, well, it's really not a sign. It's just different colors on the outside of my building. <laughs> they didn't see it that way. It was a sign. So we had to make sure it was only you know this wide by this high in order to you know stay in compliance. Crazy. So what about the what about the logo itself? The logo itself was early on in our planning, and oh, um, we were just homebrewers at the time. We weren't yeah. even at, when we asked the kid to do it. We we didn't yeah. even have a vision of going, you know, commercial at that point. Wow. He was a high school kid that um, was dating my friend's daughter at the time, and he had crazy artistic skills. And we said, "Hey, how do you feel about making a logo for us just for fun?" He pencil sketched it. He said it took him about two hours, and then he went on the computer program. That took him till I think he said five in the morning. We chose the pencil sketch. Really? He was no like, way. Of course you did. The <laughs> least amount of time. But yeah, high school kid did it and did a great job. Yeah, he killed that. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. Is he doing also the labels for the beer now? No, no, he's different uh, person. He kind of. You know, he, when he graduated, he got older. He got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he got older, and he kind of changed his focus from the artwork, unfortunately. And uh, his dad has a business that he's he's helping out with now. And uh, hmm. so, yeah, we we had a couple. You know, we went to him a couple times, and he just didn't seem to have his heart in it anymore. So uh, we had to had to move on. But he's certainly, uh, you know, 
we we get a lot of compliments on on the logo and people see the you know the apparel and things like that and they're like oh that is that is such a cool oh yeah cool Stand, definitely stands out for yeah. sure yeah yeah um did you uh so uh i'm gonna kind of switch a little bit of gears here outside of the labels well actually let's stay on the labels for a second the big sexy label in itself uh who drew that then we had i had been going round and round with local people a lot of people showed interest in doing stuff for us and hardly anybody came through with anything so i finally i got a kind of a, a blind email in our social media uh email address the one that's on the website and Facebook and it was a guy out of uh, Texas and he said I like your artwork I love craft beer here's some samples of the stuff I've done uh, you know if you're interested in getting some stuff done let me know so I mailed him back I said okay what's it gonna cost gave me a price he said give me half I'll, I'll, I'll send you a proof you like what you see give me the other half and uh, we'll go I mean it, he turned it around fast and it just I think did a killer job on the, yeah. on the label yeah it's awesome it is and what made you make the decision on that sticky version of it because I'm a huge fan of the label and the sticker side of it but there's other forms of it right so what made you kind of lock onto that onto the sticker yeah uh, just because we were planning on doing small batch stuff for our canning so we wanted to have something that we didn't have to buy an entire pallet of a particular can shrink wrapped in a, in a label or you know uh, manufactured that way so we kind of we, we followed like again windmills example they're canning a bunch of stuff but they sticker label all their cans so that they have the flexibility of what they're going to can that week you know oh, it helps a ton yeah. oh yeah and then like i said since we're focusing on the brew pub model first uh, we're not planning on doing an entire batching can and trying to, you know, get rid of that wholesale wise. Uh, what we're doing is we're trying to can, keep things fresh, do small quantities so that the couple liquor stores in the area that we want to um, we want to sell to and carry outside of the bar, we can we can keep the stuff fresh and we don't have to worry about it hanging around too long. Do you see canning becoming an like a essential part of your model moving forward down the road um, in a distro side I, I don't it's it's really low margin so it, it's one of those those things where I you know at our volume and in our brew size pretty much all the uh, research I looked at when we were opening was that if you're if you're going for a brew pub model uh, seven barrel system is 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 a pretty good starting point if you want to go commercial distro, you know, production type stuff, 15 barrels where you want to kind of be minimum. Mm, doubling, more than yeah. doubling output. And Crazy. more likely, you know, the 30 barrel, because again, the margins are so low, you need to be cranking out a lot of volume. So probably our canning plans and goals for the next few years are gonna be mostly kind of outreach marketing stuff. Get it out in front of people in the region. Cause we still have people after three and a half years ago, I never knew you guys were here. Sure. You know, so uh, what that does is it gets it, you know, into the places where maybe someone that doesn't normally go to a brewery or brew pub, they're gonna see the stuff. Oh, this is in Griffith. Oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, maybe I'll roll over there. So uh, certainly we're not gonna sell it at a loss, but it's not gonna be a huge kind of, uh, uh, you know, profit line for us sure and that's interesting you say that because you go into a liquor store now and it, feel, it felt like five years ago you could go buy a six pack for 12.99 around that time and now four packs are going for like 17.99 right. in, in many ways it's like made me choose 
to not buy it, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just too expensive, right you now. Well, and, and again, when you look at a small brewery uh, buying can, you know, empty cans by the by the pallet, and then buying labels, it, it gets and gets pretty expensive to package it. You know, and the little plastic quad rack, you know, quad pack that you that you buy, all that stuff adds price on top of the beer. So, and then, you know, you have to put it at a price that that, you know, you're still you're it's not losing money. It. Yeah, it's worth making the effort right. to make it happen, right? And if you right. go and you throw the you know the labor component on it, it doesn't make any sense at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, from a from a brew side of things, is there any brews that you'd love to make? That you haven't had a chance to yet, I I would really like to make an amazing New England style IPA, and not a milkshake, a traditional like Trillium and Treehouse are doing New England style IPA. You know, with the with the light haze, not the opaque, almost uh, you know yellow color that a lot you know a lot of the milkshakes are coming out. I'd I'd really like to master that, but those hops are crazy expensive. Uh, I think I have enough Galaxy to do one more round. I'll hit you, you know, Justin up for some for some yeast and, and hopefully it comes out fire. Awesome, awesome. Is there any any plans for a white stout? That's been like my that's my favorite beer that hasn't hit yet. Well, one of the <laughs> one of the bartenders that helps me on Brew Day, he's a big fan of the white stout too. So that that probably is something that that will, awesome. will ultimately yeah. work on. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, it's winter's about to come, and I need to gain thirty pounds. So there's a perfect uh, right. reason to go up there and do it. <laughs> um, uh, that's. Uh, do you guys have anything that you want to add? Yeah. Other than you know, uh, come checking us check us out in Griffith. Uh, we're family friendly now, so you can bring your kids, uh, have lunch or dinner some night. We have Enjoy great some, bands on Fridays. Yeah, Friday yeah that's music. live music every Friday. Yeah. You guys, I do see that like uh, that's staying upkeep pretty good. I'm from social media component. Usually, as a Kevin that's putting up a live up there. Mm-hmm. No, oh, yeah, no, oh. If, no. If Kevin does, I mean oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. live video. Yeah, that's usually Kevin that that likes to likes to do that. Awesome. Yeah, but, it's really cool. And yeah. for those listening, if you haven't given that brewery a chance, go in there, check it out. Um, it really is awesome, and I think it's a hidden gem. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I know for myself that it was one of those things that like I you know, being from Crown Point is kinda hard because every time you go on the voyage to go to a brewery, <laughs> you know you're not having one. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you got it the, the situation's gotta line up, especially now having a kid. Right. right. So uh I it took me a little while to get out there, but uh honestly, really good stuff. I love the beer. Um and if, again if there if there's anything that you wanna kinda sign off with. No, just uh I mean, we're we're dedicated to consistent, uh, being as consistent as we can, and constantly improving our product. You know, uh, things have come a long way from when we first started, and uh, uh, you know, sometimes our space makes thing. You know, some people think we're not serious about what we're doing, but we absolutely are. Uh, we're we're certainly focused on making the best beer we possibly can. Awesome. And you guys are one thing we didn't talk about. You guys are really awesome. Forward thinking with art inside the brewery too. Yes, yes. So who's leading that charge? Because that's awesome. That uh, that was something that fortunately we kind of, again with the size of the space, I, I wanted <laughs> to have cool stuff on the walls, but obviously art is expensive. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, and the, with the space, we wanted we always had the vision that we wanted to have local live music performances. Uh, you know, because again, we we love local live music, and I figured. We'd find artists that could put you know art up on the wall, and we'd let them sell it without charging a commission or anything. You know, we put it up, we collect the money, we give it straight to the artist. 
and we landed in this deal with uh, South Lake Artist Co-op out of uh, Hammond. Uh, all the artists aren't from Hammond, but that's where kind of the group meets. And um, so every quarter, they do a call for art. They select the pieces, they curate it, they install it. So every quarter, we have brand new art on our walls that's uh, run by South Lake Artist Co-op, and a, a group that they partner with is the Dyer Arts Visionaries. And uh, they sometimes uh, do the show by us, but yeah, our art changes every quarter, and it's it's usually, you know, some interesting stuff. Really definitive. Yeah. Um, outside of your average coffee house, it's yeah. oh, definitely yeah. got way more stuff in there. Just out of curiosity, have you sold any of those? Yeah. Yeah, we we usually sell probably five, ten pieces every show. No oh, way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because it gives these artists a place to show their work. There's just no money in it. We yeah. had Brad on from the guy who's doing the Crown Theater, uh-huh. and he's trying to put like a whole platform together for local artists to get their stuff seen. It's just incredible to see this movement. And it just starts with people like you. It starts with people mm-hmm. like us. It starts with people like him. Right. To right. really kind of make a movement and get these artists paid. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know. Because, yeah, I mean, the, some of these pieces have, you know, hours and hours and hours in them. And, you know, people look at it and say, oh, 300 bucks, that seems like a lot. You know, well, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of work and, and it's, uh, some of it is, is, you know, everyone's taste is different, you know. Oh, yeah. So, but. It's the number one fight with my wife and I at home is art. <laughs> I come home with these pieces. She's like, oh, wait, first of all, that's horrible. And how much was it? <laughs> and yeah. where do you plan on yeah, 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 yeah. He does have a piece like that. It's great. But I'm like, that's not going up in my living room. No way. Yeah. And we, for some reason, always think it will. Yeah, yeah. It makes no <laughs> sense. Yeah. I, I, when we were in Mexico one, we, one year, I bought a uh, Beatles painting. And it was like five by three, huge. <laughs> and it just, I still hear about it. And that was like 10 years ago. And I hear about it because I spent 300 bucks on it right. and I couldn't get it shipped from Mexico to the United States because of all these laws. Oh no. Uh, whole nother story. Um, and Karen, you actually babysat my wife. I did. I did. <laughs> Speaking of, a, of six degrees of separation of the region. Yes. It's crazy. I know. Well, it is crazy. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank thanks you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, if you ever need anything, let us know. Thank awesome. you very Thank much. You. Awesome. Thanks. I'm serious, what's up?